The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For those of us who are college football fans, we know that name, image, and likeness have become issues in the recent past that provide great amounts of compensation to college athletes. When they lend their image and likeness to a certain product, they are paid handsomely for that act. In this message, though, Elder Craig Blair reminds us that the most important image and likeness is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to bear his image and likeness in our daily lives, and everything that we do ought to reflect the image of Christ. Join us today for the first part of this sermon entitled Image and Likeness. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
I would like to begin with some thoughts in the first chapter of the gospel that was recorded by John. A verse that I certainly pray is not unfamiliar to any of us, but as we look at this wonderful description of Jesus Christ in the first chapter of the Word, we see John record in the 11th verse, he says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, a lot of people would have put a, will put a period at the end of that sentence, but there's not one there. Amen. Which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's a very important condition that's placed on those that were given the power to become the sons of God. And we understand, brothers and sisters, that that power only comes through the new birth. To God's chosen people, the elect family, sometime between conception and death, each one of God's children will be quickened by the Holy Spirit. You know, we give those bookend examples in John the Baptist who was born of the Spirit while he was yet within his mother's womb. And the thief on the cross, who I believe was born again there on the cross and moments before the end of his natural life. And I think we're given those to demonstrate that sometime between death, conception and death, God will by his power, by the Holy Spirit, that word will send out and it will be effectual in bringing life where there was no life before. I also believe that since we are created to give glory and honor to God, the Lord in his wonderful wisdom does not wait till the moments, the last moments of our life to quicken us. I think most of God's children are quickened at a reasonably early point in their life so that their lives might be directed to honor and glorify God. So, so that power comes from above. But he has given us power to become the sons of God. Now we understand that he's not given us power to make a decision for the Lord that we would then become part of his family or not. That's, that is the sovereign work of, of God himself. But he's given us power to become the sons of God. And what is, what is the writer speaking to us about? In what manner might you become the son of God, one of his children? Brothers and sisters, if we, if we have characteristics that we display that reflect those that are displayed by our father and by his son, you know, what is the image that we project as disciples of Christ? When people see us in our lives, that they see things in our lives that would speak to them that this is one that is a follower of Christ. This one that displays the inward characteristics that are evident in perfection in the very Son of God. You know, the world is, the world is, is very concerned about image, are they not? You know, we'll... There are people that run for political office, accepting our dear brother here, that will spend sums of money with image consultants so that they might package the outer person so that it reflects favorably to the people that they desire to do that. There are people that get paid, you know, even in our college sports these days, there are people that get paid unreasonable sums for the use of their image and their likeness. What image do we portray? Well, if we go back to nearly the beginning, in Genesis 1, 26, God spoke these words. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. 
You know, I would say that, uh, that man has an image problem. You might wonder, well, how could that be? We were made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. And a couple of things before we go any further. First off, I don't want you to, to have a picture in your mind that we being made in the image and likeness of God, that God looks like Morgan Freeman or sounds like Morgan Freeman. And I've been in airports when he would come on like the, sound, like the voice of God telling me that my luggage had arrived. And I don't, I don't think God needs to speak those words. First of all, when he talks about that, it's not a physical likeness or resemblance. To the image in, in likeness does that we bear resemblance. There's a resemblance in to be like. And in the sense that, that Adam and Eve were made in the image and likeness of God, it was that they were made without sin. They were beings created without sin. So if we were made in the image and likeness of God, why would we have an image problem? Well, it didn't take man very long, did it, to change his image. You know, a lot of times we hear people say, well, we're all made in the image of God. Well, uh, we, got a, we got a contrary view on that, brothers and sisters. The Bible teaches us in Genesis chapter 5, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam, and the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. They were created in the image and the likeness of God. But Adam and Eve did something that changed that image. It goes on and says, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. Brothers and sisters, we're not, all, we're not made in the image of God. We're made in the image and the likeness of Adam. And being made in the image and the likeness of Adam, the nature that we have that shines forth, that people would see, if, the, if, if all we have is that image of, of Adam, I can tell you, we need an image makeover. There needs to be something that happens to us that our image changes. Amen. You want to know what your image is? As a descendant of Adam. Image and likeness in the Bible records it wonderfully in many places. Romans chapter 3 gives us a great listing of what we are. What's your image like if you're a child of Adam? The nature of Adam. You know, you know men can try to, to put up a front to hide that which is within. But pretty soon, brothers and sisters, that which is within will shine forth. And as being made in the image and likeness of Adam... Paul describes us this way in Romans 3 and 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. You know, uh, many times we see Paul making doctrinal points. You know, he, he makes the point very clearly one time. And then he follows right up and he makes it very clearly again. And then he follows up and he makes it very clearly again. You know, my father, when we were doing a little... A little building with hammers and nails. He always tell me, once you seat the nail, you hit it again and you hit it again to make sure it really holds. And Paul's teaching in many places the doctrinal elements. You know, with those three verses that we just read, you think, Paul, you've made your point. Well, he goes on. You want a good description of the image that we have as sons of Adam, as carnal beings, sinful. That's what we have. So we need to have, a, we need to have an image makeover. You know, and John, he says that we've been given power 
to become the sons of God, our lives can show forth the characteristics, not of that first man, Adam, but of that second man, Adam. You know, man is always in an effort to improve their image. You know, what, we feel, what man has always tried to do is try to make not man in the image of God, but God in the image of man. You know, in Exodus 20, verse 4, it's recorded that thou shalt not make any graven images, even in, in, in the very early days. And see, that's really, you know, isn't that what old Satan told Eve? He said, well, you know, if you just eat this, you're going to be as gods. And brothers and sisters, man attempting to be as God can only try to lower God to his estate. Graven images. See, man wants to have something that he can relate to, something he can understand, something he could fashion and craft with his own hands. But see, we're given a, we're given a much better image to follow after. You've been given power to become the sons of God, to, to take on the nature and the characteristics, not, without, not with perfection. Because we understand as long as we have that old nature of Adam within us, that warfare will keep us from displaying that image with perfection. We're given the example, are we not? In Hebrews chapter 1, you know, Paul writes to them about God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the express image of God. Well, what do the Greek words that are translated into that teach you now? That that, that that is a precise reproduction in every respect. You know, Jesus Christ, when he came and took upon himself the flesh of the man, was both man and God. And in his nature and in his being and in his power and in all things was the perfection of God, even as he dwelt in the body of a man. And in that example, you know, brothers and sisters, the power that we're given is we're born again of the spirit. We now have a nature that can see and understand the great glory and, 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 the, and the beauty and the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that that is the one, brothers and sisters, that we should have our image to look like the image of Christ. Amen. You know, Philip asked John, asked Christ in John chapter 14, him, in verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. That's just all we need. If you just show us the Father. Well, first off, as Jesus answered him, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou that show us the Father? He, he said, my, my works testify to that. These things I, that I, and you look at me, you see the Father. Now, that probably didn't satisfy Philip. A lot of times we say, well, if I could just have this, I'd be satisfied. I'd be content. And usually when we get what we ask for, then there's always one more thing we need, one more thing we want. Jesus is saying, you want to see the Father? You want something to, to mirror yourself and your image after? Then this is it, the picture of Jesus Christ, the express image of the person of God. 
You know, are we looking for that? You know, I found a lot of times that we find what we're looking for. And if we're not looking something, they can walk right by us. You know, have these have these things sometimes, these little puzzles, and it'll have a picture and say, find this or find that. And the perception that we have, we may may prevent us from seeing what we're trying to see there. You know, we understand it as Jesus in his ministry. You know, he performed so many things that testified and demonstrated who he was. There were witnesses that he was the Christ. But you know, a lot of the people there at that time, those Pharisees, the leaders, they were looking for something different. You know, they had mind, their mindset that the Messiah was going to be one after David. He was going to be a great warrior, a man that stood above all other men, that appealed in, in all physical respects. You know, they were looking for that physical personhood of the Messiah. That's not how Jesus came, did he? Isaiah 53 said there was nothing comely about him. If Jesus Christ had been in a crowd of 100 people, you would not have been able to distinguish him by his outward and physical appearance. His background, you know, he, he didn't come out of a wealthy family. He didn't come from the aristocracy there in Jerusalem. His father, now his, Mary, his mother's husband, Joseph, was just a carpenter. He grew up as a carpenter's son. In all places, he grew up in Nazareth. Well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? See, they were, they were looking for the wrong thing. And when they had the very Son of God, the Messiah there, you know, in John chapter 5, he told us Pharisees, he says, there's one that's come to you who's been a witness of me, John the Baptist. John the Baptist witnessed that I was who I was. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He testified who I was. And you know that he was a prophet. His being and his coming into the world was prophesied. And you, you know the law. You know that John the Baptist was a prophet. In fact, you sent people there to question him. Say, are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I'm not even worthy to take your shoes off. John the Baptist witnessed me. And they didn't see that that was Christ. And he says, my works bear witness to me. They say who I am. You look at my works, they testify. You ought to see that I am the one promised by my works. Two witnesses. He said, you know, my father bear witness to who I am. You know, some of those present were standing on the shores of the River Jordan when John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ. And what did they hear? They saw the Spirit descend as a dove and light upon Jesus as he came out of the water. And a voice from heaven. And this was really the voice of God. This wasn't Morgan Freeman. And this is the voice of God. So this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He said, my father has with you. Have, what, a, what a powerful thing that had to be. To be there on the banks of the Jordan River and, and, and see the spirit descend upon Christ as a dove and to hear God speaking from above. What a great witness that would be. But that just can't be the one. And finally he said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. You know, I've wondered, you'd think that the very last witness he would have listed there would have been the voice of God, because that would have been the most powerful thing. You know, brothers and sisters, you and I will not hear John the Baptist testify with his own voice, right? We won't with these eyes see him turn the water into wine. 
or give sight to the blind or raise the dead. We won't see those. We will not be present there when the voice of God rings out and testifies and witnesses that Jesus is his son. But brothers and sisters, we can search the scriptures, can we? You know, we still have. In fact, we have things today that they did not have when he was talking about under the Old Testament law. We have things that, that witness to you and I that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and it teaches us about him. It gives us a model, brothers and sisters. You want to have someone to, to have your image reflect it's the very Son of God. He's given you power to do that. Power to do that. You know, it says in Acts 11 and 26 that they were first called Christians at Antioch. I love the way that's phrased. It didn't say they called themselves Christians first at Antioch. They were first called Christians at Antioch. Well, why, why do you think they were called Christians? Because their behaviors reflected the one they worshipped. Their actions, their dedication, their faith reflected Christ. You know, they didn't take that name themselves. But I bet they appreciated the label. You know, there would have been many times when given that label being identified in that way would brought upon them great persecution and opposition even unto death. Image and likeness. A wonderful lesson in Matthew 22 when, when again the the Pharisees, as they were so wont to do in an attempt to try to entangle Christ, came to him with a question. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? So show me the tribute money, and they brought him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image in superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. You know, that thing that had value, that coin, that currency, bore an image. Typically, you'll see the things that we value by the image that we project. You know, it was a commercial about a credit card and said, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Whose inscription, whose image is upon the things that you value? Is it truly to be a follower of Christ? Does our life reflect? And there's a, I tell you, brothers and sisters, that's one of those things that shines forth from within. You know, we might be able to put on a pretty good show for a while, but after a while, those things that we value show forth in our time and in our lives. 
you know, there's a saying in economics about the time value of money, that if you borrow money, then it compounds the interest. So there's the time value of money. I like to think that the other way around. What's the money value? What's the value of your time? Not the time value of money, but the things that we value in our time. And you'll find that, brothers and sisters. You want to see what a man values? See where he spends his time. You know, that's the currency that we all have. Each of us has 24 hours a day if the Lord gives us another day. So we are seeking that one to fashion our image after. That our likeness might bear similarity and resemblance to him and to his life. Are we truly seeing Jesus? You know, what are we looking for? Are we like those that we're looking for a natural king? Are we looking for something that pleases men? Are we looking for something that would allow us to take a position that's elevated above others? Are we looking for one that truly is expressed as the image of God? You know, what is the one that we see? You know, is it a a savior that was unable to complete his task? Is that the one that we see as as the image? The things that we value will be reflected, brothers and sisters, our currency, the things that we value will will bear that image of what we value. You know, if if it's the praise of men, you'll find us spending our time to get the praise of men. If it's to get the riches in the world, it will see us trying to gain the riches of the world. Is it that we might enjoy all the lusts that are out there, all the things of this life, the pride of life, the lusts that are out there, we'll be, we'll be pursuing those. There was a time that the mother of James and John came to Christ and lobbied that they might have a seat on his right hand and on his left. Two lessons there, one, she had no idea what she was asking for. Especially the one that was going to occupy the seat on the left. But neither of them were to seek out those high seats, those places that they might be up above. You know, when, when men want the high seats, you know what they want them for? So they can look down on everybody else. But they might be occupying a place that men would look up to them. The image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Do we see him? Do we understand who he is? And the scriptures in Galatians teach us to, to put on Christ. And that, it tells a lot of detail in God's word about putting on different things around the, the whole armor of God. Putting on the various things that we, we need to wear his garments. So, you know, there's so many things, but in general, that we put on Christ. You want to bear resemblance to him. And put on Christ. You see his obedience. You know he made it clear. He came to this world not to do his own will. But the will of his father. We understand that those wills were never different. You know his will was always in perfect harmony. With his father's will. We seek that. We seek our image to project one whose will is the Father's will. You know, do we seek that out in our lives as disciples? You know, do we go to the Lord in such a way that we pray, Lord, teach me your will? Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. 
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.